This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Welcome back to the Emirates Garden. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Sweet Life. But you know what is even sweeter? I get to hang out with Gary Vaynerchuk. Can I call you Gary V or just you Gary? Can, absolutely. All the work. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time Thanks with us. Thanks for having today. me. I mean, what brings you to the open? Uh, Novak, mm-hmm. the tennis, the passing of summer to fall in New York. You know, I'm a New Yorker, a Jersey well, you can boy. Feel it tonight. Yes, the wind is coming. <laughs> uh, look, this is one of the most important kind of iconic New York things. Yeah. You know, to me, not getting to the open is almost like, like would be devastating. It's my true transition from summer life into the fall. I mean, guys, we can feel the fall right now. I but feel it. it is, it's kind of like, especially when you grow up here, it's kind of, it's like Christmas, right? It's like this 100%. thing that happens year after year. And for me, you know, I'm in the point in my life where I see a lot of business friends and associates here. Yeah. You haven't seen them because of the summer, COVID compounds that. Yeah. Um, and, and I grew up a huge tennis fan. And you did. I did. And so, I mean, one of the few times I cried in sports that wasn't related to the New York Jets was when John McEnroe lost to Lendl here in 84, I think it was. And so, I, yeah, I grew up a very big tennis fan and, uh, and I'm excited to be here tonight. So you, so I just want to let everyone know, we both grew up in Edison before you moved. So big shout out to Edison. Big shout out to Edison, New Jersey. Did you play tennis growing up? I did. I played uh, tennis in Edison, New Jersey <laughs> three, four times a day during the summer. Um, and uh, Oded Weinstock, if you're watching, Eric Godfrey, if you're watching, those are two gentlemen that I played a lot of matches with in Edison, New Jersey. So yeah, I hacked, you know, uh, <laughs> I hacked on the tennis court. And so you're here tonight to watch Novak, is yes. that correct? I'm a, you know, for me, immigrant, Edison, New Jersey, like I very much associate with the underdog. Yeah. And when you think of the big three, or the big four if this is airing in the UK, uh, when you think of that, Novak is definitely the underdog in the Nadal Federer Novak run. So I was, I always felt a huge connection to him. Yeah. Plus, I always felt that he played with a chip on his shoulder, a little, a little bit, bit yeah. different than the other guys. Always spoke to me. Has always been my favorite player of this era, and so I'm here cheering him on today. What do you think makes you gravitate towards the underdog? My reality, you know, yeah. born in the Soviet Union kind of learned English in Edison, New Jersey, uh, was a bad student, <laughs> wasn't the greatest at sports. So the world was always kind of telling me, you're not gonna make it. And I had this incredible mother and father and kind of natural self-belief and was very fortunate that the thing that I was great at was entrepreneurship and business, which is a very viable way to live life. Is that something you taught yourself, would you say? I think a lot of it was natural DNA. When you're five or six or seven years old and you're selling lemonade on Tingley Lane or Oak Tree Road yeah. or shoveling snow or, or flipping baseball cards in John Adams Middle School, <laughs> we're being very Edison nerdy here. You know, totally nobody else knows but there, we know. My mom wasn't pushing entrepreneurship on me. It wasn't in culture the way it is now. I didn't read any books. It was just so in me. And, and I think that's why I love athletes professional singers. You know, I think there's certain things in society where it's obvious to people that people are just born to be it. For me, that's that's what entrepreneurship was. 
You know, I think we're in the era right now where everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Right, it's a very hot buzz. But for right me now. in the 80s, you know, being a bad student, that wasn't cool. Right. But I still gravitated the way an athlete gravitates. And, uh, and I've always had that connection with sports. That's really interesting. I, I feel like I'm learning a lot about you, Gary. Thank you. So I want to ask you about what you're doing with the US Open and the NFTs. Can, can you explain yes, a little bit? Yes, thank you for knowing that. Uh, I've gone pot committed into NFT life. Uh, had my own project in Be Friends, and then with the success of that, stood up a company called Vayner NFT where we're consulting brands like Pepsi, like Budweiser, right. like the US, US Open, Open on their NFT programs. This one's ex exceptionally exciting. Venus Williams, Billie Jean King, wow. Andy Roddick. Uh, incredible tokens of collectability and even access to those icons. Yeah. Uh, really? If you buy the wow. one of one. Uh, Incredible launch. It's gone extremely well. It's still on sale if you want to find it. And um, I'm really proud of it. And it's, and it's fun to see the US Open be a first mover in such a new space. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun to see a lot of tennis fans. You know, I, I constantly read Twitter and social media, and a, a lot of people have bought their first ever NFT with the US Open NFT. And so cool. it's fun to be part of that history. Well, so for those of you at home who don't know, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Very good. I'm gonna have you Can explain, explain it? it in 30 seconds. If you've ever bought a skin on Fortnite or a power-up in a video game, you know what an NFT is. This is just for the whole world. It's owning a digital asset, which is a new concept. Yeah. But so was having a website. So was having a social media account. These were new ideas in 95 and 2005. This is the newest one. Most of the people here aren't ready, comfortable, or understand the idea of owning something just digitally, right. but it will be common practice in a decade. I mean, I feel like this kind of harkens back to you selling baseball cards a little bit. Baseball there... cards, comic books, and then my main career was wine. Oh, I didn't in, know. in my early age, I built a very large wine business for my family liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey. Yeah. And the reason I was passionate about it was because people collected wine. So to your point, the concept of collectability the, even sneakers. Yeah. You Which, know. By the way, everyone check these out. What, you know, what you wear, what what you drive, how you roll. We as human beings use physical things to communicate our status, who, who we, we are. are. Facial hair, clothes. I look at everybody behind the cameras right now. I have a sense of them just on what they wear, how they wear their hair or facial hair. Digital assets are the scaled version of that. It's one of the biggest reasons I believe in NFTs. So I'm gonna pivot a little bit to your social media because obviously there are people across the world who are, who I think they kind of look to you as like a guru, like somebody to follow. Like when did that become a big thing for you and how do you think it's become such a success? In 2006, I was running the family wine business and I saw YouTube and Twitter and I said, these are gonna be huge. Yeah. And so I started making content about wine and it exploded. I had a comfort with the camera that I didn't know I had. I was already 31 years old, so it wasn't of mine to be a personality, but I went all in, I believed in it, and yeah. and then somewhere around three or four years later, I wanted to talk about other things besides wine. Right. And I wrote a book called Crush It that basically predicted a lot of what the world is now running on. Aha. And that book went crazy, was a, one year New York Times best-selling book and I started giving speeches and my and my career changed and really all I am today is a byproduct of 
incredible mothering, all the life lessons that my mom taught me, all the, and really not just mothering, also really the streets of New Jersey and the, and the world, right? I was taught by my mom and by the streets. And, and that is my content today. That is what I talk about. I talk about accountability, compassion. My mom is incredibly kind. I think I'm a very unique voice in the business world around empathy, kindness. Yeah, 100%. You know, things that people don't normally talk about. And then on the other hand, I talk about accountability and yeah. self-awareness. And so it's, it's positivity, but it's practical. Right. We're not in the business of eighth place trophies. This is real life. And, uh, and I think people gravitate towards it. Well, so you mentioned your first book. I did notice on your social that you were doing some voiceovers for a new book. Yes, today so, as matter Can you tell us about that one? November 16th, a new book called 12 and a Half comes out, uh, leveraging the emotional ingredients for business success. Okay. I, I really am passionate about this unique place I think I sit in the business world, which is I don't think that people think that, you know, uh, curiosity or, or empathy are superpowers. Right. I think people think sharp elbows, tough negotiator, it's a dog eat dog world. And, and I don't see the business world that way. No. I see it from a framework of, of a lot of soft skills. And yeah. so it's a book of why I think emotionally intelligent soft skills are actually the alpha skills in today's business world. Well, you know, if, if the entire business world looked at the world that way, I feel like we would be in a better place. I believe that to be true. Um, so I have to ask you, you know, you seem like you don't sleep very much. Do you get to take a vacation? I do, and by the way, on the record, I have high energy when I'm awake, but I'm a big seven, eight hour. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm about sleep. I like sleep. I just like being very productive and on when I'm awake. Yeah. Uh, and I love vacation. I love, I love this time of year because everyone's checked out. Yeah. I, I only have anxiety when I know the world is on when I'm not. Yeah. So I take to be vacations when everyone else is taking vacations. Um, That's called FOMO. <laughs> yes, the only, you know, uh, FOMO for me of like fun things like at the US Open or Ibiza or parties, never. FOMO of like, oh, other people are being productive when I'm not, yeah. definitely. That's why you're so successful, Garrett. So I have to ask you, where do you go when you go on vacation? You know, I'm a very completely being checked out guy, meaning beach, no wife, like out. Like yeah. just being completely off the grid. Um, that's how I like to do it. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much and even more fun because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm going to have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away, which were our favorites this week? Thanks so much, Gary. Today's amazing five-star review reads, listening to Gary for 15 minutes talk about anything, you're bound to get fired up. Grateful to have this man's perspective. He always delivers for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, thank you so much for that amazing review. And to anybody else listening out there, if you leave us a review, you might just get shouted out in the next episode.